1: let move on to the Big Ten. There's the Big Three, right? And it's really the Big Two with Penn State kind of trying to get in there. And the reason I say that is because Penn State has yet to make a playoff berth. Interestingly, Penn State actually has a college football uh, or a, a Big Ten championship uh, in the college football playoff era. In 2016, Penn State was the Big Ten champs. They beat Wisconsin in a great comeback that season. Problem was... They had two losses that year because they just they just have those games. That's just kind of what it's like with with James Franklin. He's just that kind of guy. And so when you look at that 2016 team, that's a team that beat Ohio State. Great win over Ohio State. I think James Franklin's only win over Ohio State. Uh, won their last eight games of the year in the regular season. Blew out Michigan State. Beat Iowa. Blew out out Iowa, blew out Purdue, so they really came out of that Ohio State game well, and then they beat Wisconsin in a bowl game. But the problem is they had an early season loss to Pitt and a blowout loss to Michigan. They just have never been able to put it together. The team that has emerged in recent seasons as the Big Dog in the Big Ten has been Michigan, and that's where we're going to start here.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. You need Indeed.
1: I, I really like what Jim Harbaugh is doing with his football team. Uh, there's a couple things he's done. Number one, he's kind of getting back to being that physical brand of football that made him so good at Stanford. The biggest difference for me between Michigan's teams pre-2021 and this team is they they somewhat resembled his Stanford teams, but not really. And a big part of that was the way they played defense, very high risk, heavy pressures, and they would be really good statistically, but they'd have two or three games a year where they would just get ripped up and they just couldn't make the big stops in the big moments. And you look at the last two teams and they're very much like they were at Stanford motions and shifts and multiple personnel and angles and leverage and downhill running it down your throat take away your will to fight anymore type of football on both sides of the ball maybe not a lot of elite defensive players last year compared to 2021 when they had uh, the two the two great first round talents on the edge but they still have enough talent to be really good on defense because they're disciplined they're very well coached they don't make mistakes That's the difference between Ohio State and Michigan last year to me, is with Michigan, you had to beat them to win. Ohio State had a tendency last year in a couple games to kind of beat themselves, blown coverages against Michigan, uh, turnovers in some bad times, not being able to really make those plays when they needed to make them in those games. Same thing against Georgia when they had an opportunity for victory, but just would not would made the mistakes that allowed Georgia to get back in the game blown coverages again things like that and Michigan is one of those teams where you have to beat Michigan and and what I mean by that is they're not going to give you the game they're not going to make a bunch of dumb turnovers in the regular season we're talking about regular season now obviously playoff has been a little bit different because they had some of those plays against TCU but in the regular season you had to beat them they're not going to beat themselves and if you make a mistake they will make you pay. Guys, that's exactly what Stanford was under Harbaugh and then David Shaw early on when Stanford was a great football team. That's who they were. You had to beat them. They were not going to beat themselves. And Michigan is still that team. And I don't again, I think their talent they had some years from like 12, 19 to 22 classes where they didn't recruit the same level that they that they had in the past. So, I don't know that their overall talent is as good as some other teams that we're going to discuss. But again, they weren't. That was also true last year, and they still made the college football playoff. And they're able to get away with that because honestly, they schedule like soft intentionally. And and you look at their schedule this year East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, those are their first four games, they're all at home at Nebraska, at Minnesota, home against Indiana, at Michigan State, home against Purdue. There's no reason they shouldn't be 9-0 at that point in time. Then these last three games are going to define Michigan's season. At Penn State, at Maryland, and home against Ohio State. Now, Maryland gave Michigan a game last year. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm very curious to see how that game's going to go. But once again, the Big Ten helps Michigan. Notice what's lacking from their schedule. No Iowa and no Wisconsin. Arguably the two best teams consistently in the West. They don't have to play either one of them. They get Minnesota and Nebraska on the road, which are okay teams, but they don't get the big dog. They get Purdue at home. They don't get the two big dogs in most seasons in the West. So that stretch of Maryland, and it's back-to-back-to-back in November. It's on the 11th, they play Penn State on the road. On the 18th, they play Maryland on the road. On the 25th, they play Ohio State at home. That's going to be a really tough stretch. That reminds me a lot, to be honest with you, of that 2016 Michigan team that I thought was pro, I think it was 2016. That was probably Jim Harbaugh's best team in my opinion prior to his playoff teams. That was the year that they they were see here nine and zero. November 12th they go on the road to play Iowa, kind of similar to that Penn State game, and they lose. 14 to 13 in the game. They just should not have lost, but that again, typical Iowa, they had a great defense. Then they have a home game against a a quality team, but not a great team. And they, they kind of scuffle a little bit. You know, that 2016 Indiana team was a bowl team that year lost by two in the bowl game to Utah, you know, beat Michigan state that year, beat Maryland that year, beat Purdue that year. This is a decent team. They scuffled to beat them, but still got the job done. And then they go, at, uh, they lose to Ohio State on the road. Now, obviously, two road games late in the season, Michigan couldn't get it done. Does this Michigan team have a similar a similar uh, kind of end? We're going to find out. We're going to find out if Michigan has the depth, but I think there's no doubt that Michigan goes into this season as a legitimate playoff contender because they're incredibly well-coached. They are very good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They have a, a quarterback that can make plays on schedule and off schedule, which is important for a team that lacks the perimeter talent that Michigan lacks. That they, they have great backfield, but they don't have, to me, the receivers and the tight end talent to to compete with some of those bigger teams. So you need a quarterback that can do things on his own, and I think J.J. McCarthy can do that. You lose, you've got three starters coming back on your offensive line, that and you replace them with two talented players. And, and you really brought in, you might end up having one of your starters get beat out because they ought not only did they bring in LaDarius Henderson from Arizona state and Drake Nugent from, uh, from he was Stanford, right? They also brought in miles Hinton from Stanford who might be their most physically gifted offensive lineman on the roster. Defensively, they bring a lot of guys back. They return eight starters. I don't love their talent at safety. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Uh, Rod Moore's a solid player. He's not an elite guy. Uh, Macari Page has some talent, not an elite guy. Uh, um, I don't know if Amorian Walker is going to start. Some magazines have him slated to start. Others don't. We'll see how he does. They do have Will Johnson, who's a dude. Their linebacker talent is solid. Their defensive line talent is solid, but they don't have the Aiden Hutchinson. They don't have the Mozzie Smith. They don't have the Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley um, th- just that elite talent that they had in 16 on the defensive line. This is a very, very well coached team that we're going to find out if the other two teams in the Big Ten that have more just top to bottom athleticism can finally catch up to Michigan or not. But right now, Michigan to me is the team to beat when you consider they're the def- two time defending champ. So again, you're the champ till somebody beat you. Ohio State is not as good as Michigan until Ohio State proves that they're as good as Michigan. That's just the reality just like it was the case for a decade the other way where Michigan no matter how good Michigan was they were not as good as Ohio State cuz they couldn't beat Ohio State. We're going to find that out. You know, Penn State's a team that's actually had some good success against Michigan. Not as much recently but for a lot of years it was basically whoever was the home team was going to win. And, and you know, that hasn't been true the last couple of years but they're going to get them at home this season and we're going to talk about Penn State in a minute. But when you combine that with the fact that their schedule until that last three-game stretch is incredibly soft, I think Michigan is certainly a team that has to go into the season as a title contender, or excuse me, a playoff contender. I could see them being a playoff contender going into November and then dropping two games. And that's actually my prediction for the season. I think Michigan is going to run the table, beat Purdue, and then drop the Penn State and Ohio State games. That's my prediction. I could also see a scenario where they pull off an upset on the road against Penn State, upset for me, and then kind of look ahead to Ohio State and then lose to Maryland. That's less likely to me. I could see it. But I think Michigan's going to lose two of their last three games. And I think one of them's going to beat Ohio State. Now, look, Ohio State's got to prove that they can be that team. And I don't know that they are going to be able to do that. I just have a hard time believing that Michigan can beat Ohio State three times in a row at the same time. I did not think that Michigan go into Columbus and beat Ohio State last year, especially the way they did. So Ohio State's got a lot to prove. They've, this is a gut-check moment for Ohio State. And I know a lot of no Dame fans, for example, think that Ohio State's going to take a step back. I don't know that they're going to take a step back as a team. I do think, however, because of the way their schedule is, there's an outside chance that Ohio State could actually be 10-2 and two and be overall a better team than they were last year. It's possible. But I think Ohio State's still the the cream of the crop of the will be the cream of the crop of the Big Ten this year. They haven't been the last two years. That's that's Michigan, and and I know how. Well, we almost beat Georgia, but you didn't, so it doesn't matter. You, you know, your one point loss to Georgia counts the same in the loss column as as Michigan's six point loss to to TCU or Notre Dame's twenty seven point loss to Clemson or Alabama's twenty eight point loss to Clemson in twenty eighteen, wherever the case may be. An L is an L and especially in the playoff. So they got a lot to prove to me, but I'm just a little higher on Ohio state's overall talent at certain spots. And I also think that part of the justification that I have for, for Notre Dame being a playoff team this year is the jump in year two of Al golden system. I can't say that. And then not also give the same benefit of the doubt to Ohio state in year two of Jim Knowles system. My counter to that is in, in the past, Jim Knowles' defense is really needs until year three to figure it out and improve. But as I stated last week, those teams at Duke and Oklahoma State that didn't get better till year three and, and really arrive in year four in Oklahoma State's case, those teams didn't have the talent. He had to re, he had to rebuild the scheme and the roster. That's not true to Ohio State. He inherited a pretty good roster. So when you look at this football team, they have one of the best running back groups in the country – the best receiving core in the country. And if you throw the tight end in there, still the same. They have one of the more talented defensive lines in the country. Very good, solid linebacker core. Good talent in the secondary. Not as good as you think. So I don't think this is a – I don't think this Ohio State team is a vintage Ohio State team. This isn't 2019. This isn't 2018. You know, those are some teams that just had loads of talent. They just couldn't get it done. This isn't the 2015 team to me. It's it's not that team, but it has plenty of talent to where in a year that I don't believe there's any great teams, Ohio State is certainly poised to be that kind of team. And so when I look at Ohio State this year, the questions are what? Okay, but are they going to be good enough at quarterback and are they going to be good enough in the offensive line to beat Notre Dame, to beat Penn State, and to beat Michigan? Three teams that should be pretty good on defense this year. Penn State's front seven is very talented, especially on the edges. Michigan doesn't have the same level of talent, like high NFL talent, but good players, experienced players, and they're going to be well coached, and they've eaten Ohio State's lunch the last two years. Notre Dame has to play better against Ohio State, but as we talked about before on the Irish Breakdown show, where we were talking about Notre Dame, I think the talent is there. So, Ohio State's offensive line is going to be a big reason why they – Justin Fry is going to have a big say in whether or not Ohio State is a title contender this year, more than any other coach on their roster. If he can get that offensive line that that lost what a first or a top 10 NFL draft pick and then two other guys that got picked, you lose Dewan Jones, you lose um, Paris Johnson, you lose Luke Whipler, they, they have not recruited – the previous coach, Coach Stud, did not recruit that position extremely well. I thought Ohio State had a solid offensive line class last year, uh, but none of those guys are play-day-one guys or ideally play-day-one guys. They had to go out of the portal, get the offensive lineman from San Diego State, and, and so you come into the season where offensive line is a major question mark because you have a great backfield and a great receiving core, but what can be the kryptonite to those two units – not great quarterback play and not great offensive line play. And those are two big question marks for me for Ohio State and why. Even though I think Ohio State's going to be the cream, cream of the crop, if they're not, and if I'm wrong on that, we're going to point to those two areas. They weren't good enough at quarterback and they weren't good enough up front. Now, when you talk about quarterback, to me, I think that Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever starts, is going to put up numbers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They are going to go out this season. They're going to put up numbers against Youngstown and Western Kentucky and Maryland and Purdue and Rutgers and Michigan State and Minnesota. The question is, are they going to be able to – whoever the quarterback is, can he make the money plays? And I think when you look at C.J. Stroud last year, even in some of the games where, where he wasn't you know, putting up like great numbers or just ripping teams apart, Notre Dame game being a perfect example – C.J. Stroud had one of his least productive games of his career. If you look at it, he averaged 6.6 yards per attempt that game. The only other game in his career that was worse was the crazy win game against Northwestern. Lowest yards per attempt of his career. It was one of his lowest passer rating games of the season. He only threw for 223 yards in that game, which is very low for him for a game he plays four quarters. Very low for him. But what was the difference in that game? In the second half when he needed to make money throws he made them and that that to me is is what makes you a productive quarterback versus a winner and he made those plays you look at the penn state game he made some absolute monster throws when he needed him to make those throws same thing against georgia i mean he put that team on his shoulders at time and made those plays he didn't do it against michigan either time which is why maybe some people uh don't view him as good as I view him, but he was a winner. He was a guy that could go out there and make plays when you needed him to make plays in in those games. And we saw it against Utah the year before. We saw it against Michigan State the year before early, just ripped them up. We saw it. We've seen him do it against Penn State multiple times. You know, and look, they didn't lose the game to Oregon the year before because of C.J. Stroud, I can assure you of that. So can Kyle McCord or Devin Brown make those plays? If the offense is scuffling against Notre Dame the way that they did last year, can, can those guys make those tough sideline throws the way that C.J. Stroud did? Can they look out and say, hey, new guy over the slot, Tariq Bracy's out, let's go right there to that matchup very next play. Do they have that recognition that C.J. Stroud had to make those throws? That's going to be the big question for me. And if they do have that, are they going to have the time to do it? That's also the question. So you don't want to have question marks, at quarterback, and offensive line. And that's where Ohio State could could have some problems this year. Uh, But if they can shore up those two positions, especially the offensive line, then Ohio State will be not just a playoff contender, but a title contender. Because I do think they're going to continue to get better on defense in year two of Jim Knowles and then even better the next season, in my opinion, even though they're going to have some personnel losses after this year. I just think the feel of the system, and and they've recruited pretty well the last two years on on uh, the defensive side of the ball. So if they lose Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers and those guys this year, linebacker, they're just going to replace them and reload with even more physically talented players that next year. That's just the reality of what it's going to be. So Ohio State's going to keep being a title contender. Is this year they get it back on track? Quarterback and offensive line are going to be the key. Now, here's a team that I have thought in recent seasons gets way too much publicity, but this team actually is one that I think this season's version is one that I think could be pretty good, and that's Penn State. Penn State was ranked way too high last year, in my opinion, because they just simply, simply put weren't as good as their record indicated. Ohio State did not play very well against Penn State, I didn't feel, and still beat them by 13. Michigan played like garbage against Penn State in the first half. It wasn't so much Penn State playing well. It was just Michigan playing poorly. And they still went out and just steamrolled them in the second half on 41-17. It was really the only two good teams they played all year in the regular season. Auburn, Stunk, Purdue, Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota at home, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State. They had a nice win over Utah. B- very nice win over Utah in a bowl game. Utah was banged up. Quarterback got hurt, all types of things in that game, but still a great win, I should say. I shouldn't even say good. It was a great win for them. They come out this year. I think that that momentum of how they finish the season is going to help them. Y'all know I'm a big believer in that. They won their last five games, You know, beat Michigan State bat soundly at the end, and then had the big Rose Bowl win over, over, over uh, Utah. And it's going to give an otherwise young team at certain important spots a lot of confidence to step in. And so when I look at Penn State, the first concern that I have when I look at this football team is, yes, they have a talented quarterback, but he's young and he's raw. He's not a Bryce Young. He's not a C.J. Where He is a, a smart, savvy, high accuracy level type thrower. Drew Aller is very raw, but he's incredibly talented. How quickly can they get him caught up to speed? That's going to be a big question. If they can get him to just be a good football player, like Michigan did with with J.J. McCarthy last year, then I think Penn State has a chance to be really good. I love the town around him. I think, obviously, the running back room, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Penn State are all in the conversation. I think they're all going to be in the conversation to be the best running back rooms in the country. And Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan have the established talent to be in that conversation. To me, Notre Dame, it's more projection. But for the other three... There's no doubt the talent and the proven production is there. Uh, Nicholas Singleton at Penn State has a chance to be the best running back in college football this year. He's not the best coming back. That's Blake Corum. He was the best last year. But I love Nicholas Singleton. Had a great freshman year, 1,061 yards, rushing, 12 touchdowns, 6.8 per carry. You know, and Against Utah, he has seven carries for 120 yards and two touchdowns against a pretty good rushing team. Uh, he was pretty good in that game. Didn't do much against Michigan and Ohio State. That's the knock, right? And that's something he's going to have to get better at. But that, to me, comes down to the offensive line, which we'll get to. But here's the thing. It's not just a Nicholas Singleton show. Uh, Katron Allen's a really good football player. He is a real – he could start for a lot of teams that Penn State plays. also a freshman last year. He had 867 yards and 10 touchdowns, 5.2 per carry. He's another really good football player. Sean Clifford was a great leader, but he was limited – I mean, just talent-wise, he was limited, and you're going to have a, a guy that isn't the experienced guy that you have now, but huge arm. I like the talent at receiver. Uh, I like Keandre Lambert Smith. He's a good football player. I like Dante Cephas, the kid from Kent State. We talked about him. Uh, Notre Dame fans, we wanted uh, Notre Dame to give him a look. He they tried. He wasn't interested, but I think he's a, a kid that is, you know, that that could be a slot guy, could play outside for them. He's a really good football player. Uh, I like what he brings to the table. I think when you look at their other receiver positions, looking at them up right now, you've got Harrison Wallace. Caden Sanders is going to be a sophomore this year. I think there's some talented football players that they have, and they're really good at tight end. Theo Johnson should be back and healthy this season. He's a good football player. Uh, Brenton Strange, I believe Brenton Strange is back this year. Did he go pro? No, he went pro. They got Tyler Warren. They can go two tight ends. They can go three tight ends. Uh, Tyler Warren had 10 catches last year. He's a guy that can play. the key is going to be their offensive line, right? You've got one of the best tackles in football in Olu Fashanu. You've got some experience coming back. I felt like last year, you know, they they haven't been the offensive line that I thought they were going to be. And when they brought the guy over from from, from BC, but they started to show that last year. Saleem Wormley, Wormley, if you all remember, is a guy that I was very high on coming out of high school. He's starting to kind of come into his own. Camden Wallace is a really talented kid. Landon Tangwell, remember, he's a guy that Notre Dame recruited very heavily. Went to Penn State. He's slotted to, to potentially step into left guard position. I think the offense has a chance to be really good, and they can bring Drew Aller along. And that to me is a big, big part of it for two reasons. Number one, you have the run game potential to to thrive, and the schedule gives you a couple quality a, a quality game, and then a game that you should win convincingly before your schedule ramps up. And that's the that's the other tough part for Penn State. I love their defense coming back. They've got a lot of talent on the off on the front seven coming back. Abdul Carter was great as a freshman last year. Danny Davis Sutton is going to be a much bigger factor this year. He's super talented. You bring back Kalen King. They did have some really good players. They lost in the secondary. Obviously, Joey Porter Jr. They've recruited well on that side of the ball. They've got some really talented players stepping in. I think their defense should be should be good. I'm not a big Manny Diaz fan, but I don't even think Manny Diaz can screw this one up. He did a nice job with them last year. But the issue that I have for Penn State is, I think, of the three, team, of the three teams this season that are competing for the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan and, and Penn State, Ohio State, to me, is the toughest schedule of, of the three. When you look at the fact that they have to play at Notre Dame, they have to play at Michigan, they have to play at Wisconsin, they have to play Penn State at home, that's a tough schedule. For me, that's a very, I mean, if Ohio State's 11 and 1, 12 and 0 against that, they are big time. They are very good. Penn State to me is next. And I I think Penn State's got a challenging schedule. They have West Virginia at home, should be a win. Then they play Delaware. Their third game is going to be a lot. It's a game that not a lot of people are talking about. These next two weeks are going to define Penn State's season, in my opinion, because they could be out of the playoff hunt by the end of September. They play at Illinois in week three. And I know Illinois lost some big time football players last year. They've got some big-time football players coming back, and now they're going into year three of the Brett Bielema era, which is going to be is going to be good for them. And Luke Altmaier's not a great player by any stretch, but he's certainly more talented than what they've had at quarterback in recent seasons. So I think they're going to be fine. They've recruited well. Brett Bielema knows how to win. That's going to be a really tough game. And then the next week, they're home against Iowa. Now, Iowa and Penn State playing a lot of good battles, and, and I'm very high on Iowa. I'm going to talk about them in a second here, so, so bear with me as, as we get ready for Iowa. But when I look at Penn State, those two games early with, an, with a quarterback who's still learning could be problematic. You you could lose one or both of those games, and now you're in a situation where you, you've got to run the table to have a miracle shot of getting into the college football playoff. And then you've got to hope that if you lose to Iowa or Illinois at home, you've got to hope that you can get them in a rematch in the Big Ten title game where you can say, hey, look, we were young early. We had a sophomore quarterback, sophomore running back, young at receiver, young here, young there, and we what we bounce back, we beat Michigan at home, we beat Ohio State on the road, we beat Michigan State on the road, we got a rematch win over one of those two teams, and we belong in. It's going to be a tough sell, but as I said, this could be a year where a two-loss team who's a conference champ has that opportunity. If they win those two games, they've got Northwestern the, the, the last week of September on the road, that's a mess of a program. Then they have a bye And the week before they play Ohio State, they have UMass. So if they can somehow beat Illinois and Iowa, you're going to have a 6-0 Penn State team heading to Ohio State. Coming out of that, they're Indiana at home, at Maryland. It's going to be a rivalry game. Penn State's dominated that recently. Then they finish the season at home against Michigan, home against Rutgers, at Michigan State. Now, the at Michigan State game actually is, excuse me, it's listed at Michigan here, but it's not at Michigan State. I believe that's a neutral field game that's going to be played in Detroit at Ford Field. So that won't even be a road game, but it'll be away from, certainly away from home, much closer to Michigan State than it is Penn State. If they can run the table in September, split the Ohio State and Michigan games, then they're going to have, that's their chance to me to be a playoff team. I don't know if Penn State's good enough to win both of those games. That's going to be a tough ask but they don't have the Notre Dame non-conference like Ohio, like Ohio State does. But they also have a really tough crossover, two tough crossover games, which Michigan and Ohio, Ohio State does because at Wisconsin, although I'm not as high on Wisconsin as others, but that's still a, a tough game. Playing at Camp Randall is not easy. I don't care who Wisconsin is, right? But Ohio State and Penn State have the tougher crossover games, and Penn State has two really tough crossover games with the West. So that that's the difference. Where Michigan just kind of steamrolls until they get into November. My prediction for the year is Ohio State beats both Penn State and Michigan, but I also believe that. But and, and I believe, but I believe Penn State will then beat Michigan. So whether or not Penn State has a chance to be the second Big Ten team in it, this year's versus Ohio State is going to be determined by what they do in those two September games against Illinois and Iowa. I think that's going to be the, the the key to whether or not Michigan's going to be able to have, or excuse me, Penn State's going to be able to have a playoff resume uh, going into the season. So to me, they are a team that belongs in the conversation. They have more to prove than the other two Big Ten teams, but they belong in there. So who's my sleeper pick in the Big Ten? I think you most of you are already going to know this because I've talked about it before. It's not Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not as sold on Wisconsin's ability to quickly transition to that offense. I think that's going to be a lot harder than some people think the team that I'm really looking forward to seeing this season is Iowa. And look, I get it. Iowa lost some really good football players off their defense from last season. They did. There's no doubt about it. Jack Campbell. I mean, y'all know Ryan loved that guy. He was a stud. Uh, they also had one of the a first round draft pick at defensive line with Lucas Van Ness. Uh, they had a defensive back, and I'm trying to remember what, which, who their DB was that the Broncos drafted. I'm trying to remember which guy that was. Uh, but the Broncos drafted one of their DBs in the third round from last season. It was a really good football player, really liked his film. I just cannot for the life of me remember what his name was. Riley Moss, that's what his name was. Riley Moss was the guy they drafted uh, from Penn, from Iowa last year. So they certainly have some losses, but they have a lot coming back. They return. their starting running back. Most of their receivers are back. They they got a tight end coming back, even though they lost their top tight end, Sam Laporte. They get Eric Eric All from Michigan comes in, who I think is a really quality football player. They got Caleb Brown to transfer in from Ohio State, who I liked a lot coming out. I think he gives them some juice that they didn't have before. And the Cade McNamara pickup to me was huge. Uh, look, Cade McNamara is not a star. He, he's not. I mean, he, he's a good football player. That's it. He's a game-manager football player. But compared to Spencer Petras, this is like Notre Dame getting Sam Hartman, if not more. Like, Spencer Petras, and I'm not trying to be hard on the kid, but he's one of the worst Division I quarterbacks I've ever seen. And even with that issue, Iowa still won eight football games last year. Think about this, folks. Iowa won eight games beat Purdue, who won the West, beat Wisconsin, beat Minnesota down the stretch, beat Kentucky in a bowl game 21 to nothing. they did that with an offense that scored 17.7 points per game. Think about that. They had one game last year where they scored over 27 points. That was against Northwestern, who was terrible. So, to me, you give them an offense that scores 26, 27 a game, which is I think is about where the 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 number is for Forens' kid to get a pay raise, right? They score 27 points a game. They're gonna be incredibly hard to beat. And and so I think Iowa is a team that people are sleeping on a little bit because of McNamara, because of Caleb Brown, because of Eric all. They returned four starters in the offensive line. The they lost three really good players but that's about all they lost from the defensive line last year or from the defense last year they return a lot of talent from their defense as well they bring back uh Deontay Craig or who had a very good season last year led them in tackles for loss with 11 led them in sacks with six and a half they bring back Cooper DeJean, who's one of the best DBs in the country they bring back some really really good players this season so I think Iowa's got a shot to be that sleeper team that could be actually a playoff team. And here's here's why I say that. When you look at Iowa, they play Utah State, Iowa State on the road, Iowa State's not very good, and then they play Western Michigan. They play at Penn State. Now let's say they lose to Penn State. Basically, here's what the rest of their season looks like. Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin. That's going to be huge. Minnesota at home, by week. They play Northwestern at Wrigley. Home games against Rutgers and Illinois, and then at Nebraska. Even if they lose to Penn State, there's a chance was 11 and one going into the the postseason. Or, you know, they beat Penn State, lose to Wisconsin. But let's say they drop one of those two games. There's a good chance they're 11 and one going into the Big Ten title game. And if you have a win over Wisconsin, if you have a win over whoever the Big Ten East champ is in this year, there's a chance that Iowa could be a playoff team. Now, I'm not predicting that. I'm just laying out the path for what it could be. And then when you look at those teams that they're playing against, and you look at Ohio State, for example, and and you look at Penn State and Michigan, those teams are going to play really rough November stretches, right? So Penn uh, Penn State ends their season with Michigan, Rutgers, and Mission State. That's not as tough. But then you look at Ohio State, they have to play Minnesota and Michigan to end the season. Michigan obviously being the last game. They play Wisconsin October 28th. And then Michigan, as soft as their, their schedule is, has by far the toughest finish to the season. When you look down the stretch, when you look at playing at Penn State, at Maryland, and against Ohio State. And then Iowa, who, who's got a good finish to the season, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska is nothing to snooze over, but it's not playing Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. So to me, is a team that if they can catch some breaks – not get upset by Iowa State, split between Wisconsin and Penn State, and then handle their business in their other games. We could see this because I, I kind of feel like this is going to be sort of that miracle season for them. You know, the the you know I, I think that this is it for Kirk Ferentz. I think the people around the program have to be getting that sense. He went all in in the portal to bring some guys in. They go out. They go eleven and one, win the Big Ten. You know, it's that dream season, and then Kurt Ferenc rides off into the sunset. I could see something like that happening. Uh, I'm not predicting it. I'm not putting my mortgage on it, but I'm not. If laying out that case, I'm not saying to myself like, "Dude, that you're you're reaching. You're just trying to find a sleeper." I believe that pen that Iowa can be that team because. You give them just competent quarterback play, and that's all Cade McNamara is, folks. He's just competent. That's it. He's not a. This is a kid who was in a playoff two years ago because he could just manage the offense, not make the big mistakes. You know, played well in some of their bigger games. You put him at, at Iowa, where I think their run game is going to be better. He's going to have some weapons around him, and they're still going to have a great defense because even though they lost some players, guys, they lose players every year, and they just replace them because the one consistent thing has been Phil Parker. Right. Lucas Van Ness and Deontay Craig were great last year, but they had to replace Zach Volk Van Valkenburg from the year before, who was a 15, uh, 15 tackle for loss guy. Right. And they, they st- replaced him just fine. Right. Van Valkenburg replaced from 2020, Davion Dixon and Chancey Golston, who had Davion Dixon in 2020 had 13 and a half tackles for loss in eight games. That's it because of COVID. Right. Well, then he, Davion Dixon, had to replace. AJ Epinesa, who had 14 and a half tackles the year before, right? And then in 2019, Chancey Golston and Christian uh, Ch- Chansey Golston steps up, has nine and a half tackles for loss, has a really good season, is the number two. And he had to replace Anthony Nelson, who had 13 and a half tackles for loss the year before. So this has just been something, and those guys had to replace Parker Hess, who had 10 tackles for loss. You get the point? It doesn't matter who Iowa puts in there. They recruit players that fit their system and they're coached up as well as any defense in the country's coached up. So they're going to still be really good there. It's the offense. Can the additions they had on offense, can the motivation that Brian friends has that if you don't do it now, you're a not going to get paid as much and B you're not going to have a job. Most likely, is that going to be enough to get this team going? Yes. I don't see them losing seven to three games this year or winning seven to three games or 10 to seven games or losing games like that this year. So I think Iowa's going to be a better football team than people expect. And they're my they're sort of my if a team breaks out from the Big Ten, that's not one of the big three. Iowa's my bet to do that. Not Wisconsin, but Iowa.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in.